took a leap of bravery and faith to acknowledge an eating disorder she had since she was a teenager and sought help. Her eating disorder began with negative thoughts about herself and how she viewed her body when she was a teenager. Today, we'll learn more about how Patty sought and received help as she went through an intensive 12-week treatment program. It helped her change her relationship with food, her body, and mind. My guest today is Patty Kasky. Patty is my niece and lives in California with her husband, Dean. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Patty, for being my guest today on Family Shield. You're welcome. So for my listeners, Patty is my niece. I can't begin this program without mentioning my earliest memory of you, Patty. Your mom and dad brought you and your older sister to grandma and grandpa's often. Your grandpa and I would rush to pick you up when you were a baby. I'm remembering maybe nine or ten months old. You know, they're so cute and they're doing all kinds of great things at that age. I usually beat grandpa, but he always got his turn soon afterwards because he loved his grandkids. Those family dinners are now precious memories for all of us. Tell our listeners about your memories of Sunday dinners at Grandma and Grandpa's house, Patty. Those were just the best times. Um, I I remember every Sunday going over and we would all rush downstairs as we got a little bit older to be able to pick out our soda of the day. Uh, And then after we would eat, all of us would gather in the dining room and we would play games mm-hmm. as most of the men sat in the den and watched football. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just remember those Sundays being so wonderful because the whole family got together mm-hmm. and Grandma and Grandpa were so involved in our lives as well as you and Uncle Chad mm-hmm. and then um, our cousins, Corrine and Kevin and Jeff. And it was just a wonderful way to grow up. It really is. Know that every Sunday you were going to see your your family. And we could rely on you and Uncle Chad and Grandma and Grandpa for anything that we ever needed, as well as Mom and Dad. So I cherish those those Sundays so much and wish that families nowadays still have that kind of closeness. Yeah. It was great. I tell people all the time, my mom had us over every Sunday, and they would they all go every Sunday. Yeah, I mean, just about every Sunday. And it became a pretty good-sized family as everybody had children. My, my younger sister, Gail, had three kids. But you probably remember the earlier years, and it was, it is precious memories for us today. And uh, yeah. I'm very thankful for them, and I'm thankful that we had those years, just as you you, uh, shared just now. Well, we're going to transition right now to your early teen years. How did a misinterpretation about something your parents said to you when you were 13 years old stick with you for so many years? Tell us about that. Well, you have to understand that my sister and I were complete opposites, actually still are, um, in personality, but as well as in look. My sister was always very tiny and and petite, and I had more of a um, sporty kind of build. I played a lot of sports, and um, then I was always the rambunctious one um, and unfortunately still have the personality that I always think I'm right (laughs) and I have to have the last word. (laughs) I've tempered it a bit in, in my 
older years. <laughs> but when I was younger, I I think I tended to probably fib a bit as well. Mm. Um, and Kelly, my sister, never did that. Mm. Her and my mom were always very, very close, and I was always closer to my dad. But Kelly never got in trouble. Kelly was kind of the perfect child in the way that she just didn't, I guess, uh, stretch boundaries, maybe is a good way to put it, like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, especially my mom would always say that she wished I was more like my sister. Mm -hmm. And so when she would say that, for some reason in my mind, I always took it to mean that she meant she wished I looked more like my sister. And in reality, what she really meant was that she wished I acted more like my sister. Mm -hmm. But I always internalized it that she wished I looked like my sister, that I was smaller and that I was teat. And um, for some reason, in my young mind, I took it that she wished I was small and petite and skinny and um, that kind of just laid the foundation for the beginning of Mm. my eating disorder. Um, But it was, you know, it was all very innocent, of Mm -hmm, course. mm -hmm. They didn't mean Um, that at all, did they? No, not at all. So Never. (laughs) Soon after that, I think 13 years old, maybe around the same age, uh, tell us what happened with your neighborhood friends that pretty much changed your life the summer before high school. Um, We were, of course, Lutheran, (laughs) um, and we attended a Lutheran grade school, and uh, we lived in a a Catholic parish neighborhood, and so all of the kids in our neighborhood were Catholic and went to school together and and all went to church together, and their parents knew each other and and all, you know, hung out, the parents uh, socialized together, and of course, our parents, you know, didn't socialize with those parents. They weren't really, they knew each other because of us kids. Mm -hmm. And um, so unbeknownst to me, the girls that I hung out with had been stealing from a local um, sporting goods store. And so during that summer, I went to the sporting goods store with uh, five of the girls. And uh, while I was paying for my things that I picked to purchase, um, four of the girls were sitting up front when I went to check out and they were whispering to me that I needed to hurry up and leave because they got caught. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what they were talking about. But once I purchased my things and walked outside, one of the other girls was there and she said that they all got caught stealing and we needed to leave. And so as we were walking home, she told me that these girls had been doing this for quite a while. They would put the clothes that they wanted to steal under their other clothes, and then they would walk out of the store. And so apparently the owner finally caught them red-handed and was calling their parents to come up. So by the time I got home, those other parents had already called my parents and told my parents that I was the leader of the gang and that this had all been my idea all along. And so my parents confronted me, and I said, no, I didn't know anything about it, and they didn't believe me. So they took me back up to the store. The owner told them that, no, I wasn't involved. 
told them what had been happening. And so then we went back home and I still got grounded for two weeks. And my mom and dad told me that I was being grounded for making poor choices and friends. And I ended up being grounded longer than any of the other girls. And so about a month and a half after that, I was still hanging out with those people because they were my neighborhood friends. Mm -hmm. And then we all went to one of the girls' homes. And when I walked in, those five girls were there along with five boys. And they put me in the center of the room. And for two, two and a half hours, um, all ten of them proceeded to bully me and tell me, how ugly I was and how fat I was and what a horrible person I was because I told my parents the truth about what happened. And um, they wouldn't let me leave. And then finally after they were done and I was crying horribly, they let me leave and I walked home. But then I stayed at the park down the street for about an hour until I composed myself because... I knew when I got home, I couldn't tell anybody because my mom and dad had already told me that I shouldn't hang out with those people because oh, oh. I had already, you know, yeah. made bad choices and friends. Mm-hmm. So um, that really changed me. Yeah, and I was I thinking that that was such... Now, back then, there was nothing called bullying and verbally attacking people like it is today. But that was definitely what happened there. But what was amazing to me when you shared the story is that you didn't tell your mom and dad, and I never understood why. Now I do, because you were with friends. They had told you not to yeah. be with and anymore. Oh, and I didn't tell my sister because, of course, at that age, like I said, we were complete opposites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she was friends with all these kids, older oh, siblings. Okay. And I just didn't think that she would defend me. I thought she would be the same way that mom and dad felt. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I just believed everything that they said because they're my peers. And who knows better than your peers what you are. And and that is (laughs) so sad that you never, I mean, I can imagine if you had told not your sister, but your mom or dad, and told them what they said and what they did, that they would have been very upset. Uh, of course, it probably would have caused all kinds of problems in the neighborhood. But you never did. You never told anyone then. No, I didn't tell anyone until I was um, 50, 50 mm. years old and, and I was seeing a counselor mm. or a therapist mm-hmm. um, wow. for other things. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that that finally came out. Mm. And, and the funniest well, ironic thing about it is I thought I was over it then at 50. Um, You know, I thought I dealt with that, Mm -hmm. moved on. Um, And unfortunately, then my mom died and Mm -hmm. other things, you know, I was dealing with in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But then once I was 55 and and finally went into treatment for the eating disorder, um, they have you try to go back with your therapist and, and figure out when your eating disorder happened, mm. that I realized that this particular event or series of events 
was still an, an issue for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is, in fact, when my eating disorder really started. Yeah. And it was right before I started high school. Wow. And it, it completely upended my life. Yeah. I, yeah. I completely changed my personality. Yeah, I, I know you said that. And I, I always remember you as being outgoing and self-confident and always uh, finding ways to raise money and doing lots of things. But that's not how you felt after that, correct? No, it, it was all just a charade. <laughs> wow. So you um, carried these issues into adulthood, and now, uh, Patty, you were now in your 50s. You own a thriving CPA business in California. You've been happily married for almost 30 years, and you finally decided. <laughs> excuse me? It, it's over 30 years now. Is it? We yeah, over 30 years. years. Okay. And finally decided to seek help for this eating disorder, which you hadn't told anyone about. Um, so, uh, I'm going to ask you, we're going to go ahead and go to our break, but then after the break, I'm going to ask you to share more about the treatment you received at Loma University Behavioral Medical Center. And the rest of our time, we will talk about that. And also, since you've graduated from that program, what you hope to do and how, um, God is going to use this. And we hope right now today he's using it to touch someone that's listening that either has an eating disorder or has a child or a loved one with an eating disorder. Because for me, I didn't know Patty had this eating disorder, and I should have. I knew you were very thin, but I didn't know. Let me make announcements, and then we'll continue this discussion. This is Kay Meyer, again with Family Shield. My guest is Patty Kasky. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on more than 50 stations throughout the United States, and our podcast is heard on many podcast platforms. Family Shield coordinates the counter-cult ministry and our other educational and evangelism services. This now includes Faith Family Reunion that serves parents with prodigals. Prodigals are adult children that grew up in the faith but have left the faith. Family Shield Ministries is self-supporting and a listener-funded ministry. We depend upon your prayers, support, generosity, and sacrifice to allow us to share the message of God's love with those who do not know him and equip Christians to serve and witness. Family Shield is self-governing and self-supporting. Please pray for us, mail a donation, or give a one-time gift or a monthly gift on our website, www.familyshield.com ministries.com. Now I want to go back to continue talking to my niece, Patty Kasky. And uh, right before the break, we were going to start talking about how you sought help for your eating disorder and that treatment that you went through. But let's start with how you started this decision to get help. What uh, Tell us about that. Um, well, <clears throat> my body really... Um made me do that. <laughs> I had gotten to the point I was at 89 pounds and I really couldn't eat or drink anymore. Um, my body was just rejecting it and my organs were starting to shut down. So um, about a year before I sought treatment, I realized um, consciously what was going on. Um, before that, I really hadn't ever consciously realized what I was doing. 
Um, I know it sounds weird, <laughs> but I'd never really consciously realized that I have an eating disorder. Mm. And then once I did, I was it, it, it's such a big task to decide you're ready to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I did was uh, told my best friend, and she we talked a lot about it, and she, well, we ended up uh, not becoming friends <laughs> after that oh, because I didn't move fast enough hmm. for her. Hmm. We're friends again now, Thanks. but but it, it took losing her friendship hmm. to finally make me make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, then I told my sister. She was very supportive. And um, then the hardest thing was telling Dean, my husband, mm-hmm. because essentially I'd been um, lying to him our whole marriage just by omission, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't consciously doing it. You know, every time I would lose weight and he would, you know, ask me, you know, what was going on, I wouldn't tell him because a lot of times I didn't know. But Mm -hmm. even once I started knowing, it was embarrassing. It was shameful. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want people to understand is it shouldn't be. You should never be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're trying to help. You're trying to get through it, and it takes time. You know, you can't do this all in a week. You can't do it on your own. No, you can't do Uh, it on your own either. That's very important. So... Once I told him, um, it took a couple conversations with Kelly, my sister, and him for him to not be so angry with Mm me Um, because he's someone that the thing he hates the worst is liars. (laughs) Uh, Pretty ironic. But um, then I started looking for treatment facilities, and and I realized it's going to be a big commitment because it meant taking three months off of work. Mm. And um, I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and owning your own business, that, that's a big Makes commitment. it harder, yeah. yeah. But I did, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was called the Parcel Hospitalization Program. Mm-hmm. So I was there every day from 7.30 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And Loma Linda's treatment program is was a lifesaver, truly. Um, you, I would go in the morning and we would have breakfast together. Um, we have a dietitian there mm. that, um, helps you and she creates a balanced diet for you and you have to have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, of course. You have your breakfast and your lunch there at program and then you have to have three snacks a day and so the nutritionist or dietitian um, literally gives you a paperwork that has what you need to have in each of your meals as far as your protein, your carbohydrates, and your starches, and, and all of that. And you learn all about all of the nutritional needs, and that's part of the program. Mm-hmm. Every day you have nutrition. You have at least one nutrition class. Mm, and learning. we. Mm-hmm. Right, and we had spirituality twice a week, and so there was a chaplain that would come in, and it was non-denominational, um, which was good, because, of course, we had people from all over there, um, 
And it, it was great because if, you know, you believe in God and, and you're Lutheran, then, of course, I could talk about that. But there were people in there that were Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And yet it was whatever your spirituality was is how you interpreted it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you I could find so many Bible verses. And, of course, my cousin Corrine, your daughter, mm-hmm. was was so instrumental and so helpful for me every week. Mm-hmm. She would send me, you know, Bible verses, mm-hmm. and she was praying for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, that was a big help yeah. to me because yeah. she would put it in perspective and give me great Bible mm-hmm. verses that, you know, it was almost like it was written for me. Yeah. It was right out of the Bible. A lot of them are. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> and, great to hear. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, and um, you know, the program, just the big thing they work on, too, is body image. Yeah. Because um, what I learned is I don't have to love my body. I don't have to love the way I look in the mirror. But if I can just accept the way my new body looks, mm-hmm. then... I can deal with that, and and that's part of your recovery because at 89 pounds, I would look in the mirror and and I would still think I'm fat. Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? You know, when when you said that, Patty, the last time I had seen you before you went into treatment, not knowing anything about this, I came home to my husband and I said, I think Patty's going to die. She's so thin. I can't understand. And I still didn't understand you had an eating disorder, even though I've done numerous programs on this. I didn't understand it. And and I know there are other people just like me out there. My daughter, son, aunt, uncle, somebody's very thin. And just be aware and learn and and, and pray for them and and support them if they come to you. Right. So talk and a little bit about the group therapy. What is that and how what did oh, you the learn? The group therapy was so wonderful because you go in there and, and you go in thinking nobody understands me. Nobody knows how I feel. And so you start your group therapy and you're with like-minded people. And so you start hearing other people's stories and all of a sudden you realize I'm not alone. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. And everybody has an individual story, but it's the same storyline as, as far as you know, you, we all have horrible self-esteem mm-hmm. and it, it can be for many different reasons, but it, it, it's the same thing. We all feel the shame. We all feel the guilt. And, and those are the things that you have to get right with your own mind because at the end of the day, it's not even about the food. Mm-hmm. And that was the most striking thing for me to learn is, the eating disorder is not about the food. Uh-huh. It's about your relationship with yourself. Oh, interesting. Yes. yes and yes. when you can start to understand that and unravel these preconceptions that are in your mind, then that's when you can start getting better because it's your mind that's messed up mm-hmm. and it really doesn't have anything to do about the food. Hmm. So you need to learn to sit with your feelings, mm-hmm. and that's what we anorexics don't do. Mm-hmm. We hide from our feelings, mm-hmm. and we use the food to do that. Oh, because wow. focus on the food instead of dealing with our problems. Yeah. So one of the other things you talk about is that they had one-on-one sessions with clinical leaders. What happened with those? 
So that is where you go and they call it processing. Hmm. And so in doing my individual therapy, I worked with my therapist on going back and trying to figure out when did this start? At what point in time and why did it start? What are these feelings that I'm avoiding? And why am I avoiding them? And teaching me tools to learn how to deal with my problems so that as they arise now, I have tools to deal with them. And so um, Loma Linda deals with what they call DBT. And so we have DBT tools, and it's just a form of therapy mm. is what DBT is. Um, and, and so I have all these different tools that I can use when I start having eating disorder thoughts. And the biggest part is I recognize it now. Yeah. Before I didn't recognize it. Well, now if I start uh, restricting, which means I stop eating, I recognize it now. Mm-hmm. Before I could go four days of, of not mm-hmm. eating mm-hmm. and I really wouldn't even realize what I was doing. Mm. I just did it. Yeah. I want to move forward. Uh, you graduated from this program in November 2022. And tell our listeners, and are close to the end of the program, why are you passionate about helping others who have eating disorders? And now that you've graduated, what do you hope to do? I, I'm so passionate about wanting to help others because Number one, I know how wonderful I feel now. When when you're in the thick of it, you're in a fog mm-hmm. and you don't realize it. I, I'm no longer in a fog. Um, I've gained 20 pounds from when I started wonderful. and I've kept that weight on. Um, and, and I look at food now as something to nourish my soul, mm-hmm. not just my body, but my soul. And... I saw so many adolescents, and I just think of all the things that they're facing now, and my job is to help them. That's my calling now. In fact, I'm trying to sell my practice, my CPA practice, because I want to go back to school to be a counselor. Wonderful. Our time is up. You just shared you're going to sell your CPA practice so you can go back to school to help people with eating disorders. I think it's a wonderful thing to do, and I pray that God will bless that and open the door that you need. Um, This again is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. My guest has been Patty Kasky. She's been sharing the story of how she got help for her eating disorder. And uh, again, uh, if you want to learn more about Family Shield, go to our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.